Hello and welcome to the most effective advertising campaign in the world. Which is this campaign for the Master of Advertising Effectiveness, a six-week online program in partnership with Walk that'll give you a next-level understanding of the evidence-based principles of advertising effectiveness. The very same principles we've used to create this. The most effective advertising campaign in the world. Over the coming years, you'll experience a campaign that's perfectly budgeted and targeted over both the short and long terms and replete with emotion, distinctive assets, and most importantly, creativity. It will at some point result in you visiting our website, mae.academy, signing up, becoming a master of advertising effectiveness, and also becoming a piece of hard evidence that this is in fact the most effective advertising campaign in the world. Hello and welcome to the Wark Podcast. I'm Gregory Grudzinski of Wark Digital Commerce. Joining me today is Colin Lewis, a regular guest at Wark Podcast, to discuss retail media and his takeaways from the 2023 Cannes Lion International Festival. Colin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me on as ever. Always a pleasure. Retail media continues to be one of the hottest topics in FMCG marketing today. It was visible in the cross-set at Cannes in 2023, as well as in the top-to-top closed-door meetings between brands and retailers such as Amazon, Walmart, Instacart, and others. Colin, can you tell us, what was the, what was the topic of conversation? What, what, what are they talking about? Well, the first point for our listeners to realize that this was a kind of vastly different feel in terms of Cannes uh, that I've been to over the last few years. Um, as you walk down the uh, Cosette, you could see signs for Instacart. You could see um, that Walmart were around. Um, we knew Albertsons were there. Um, but most of all, the biggest stand, if you will, at the whole show, at the whole event, was was actually Amazon Advertising, and that they had their own area with the hottest evening events on as well. But the way to think about it was that whilst retail media had been kind of bubbling under the previous few years, this year it was the talk of the town. And not just, as you say, you know, on the Crozet, up in the hills above, um, above Cannes, with special one-off events. Um, there was standalone events, one that I spoke at, which was over a swimming pool, would you believe, at 9am. And it was, I also heard, talking to other people recently as well, that the, all of the senior people were in town, all meeting directly with brands face-to-face, as you say, uh, behind closed doors. I know that retail media has been kind of the the shiny object in this space for a long time. What's the what's the latest? What is it that that Amazon and Walmart are looking to accomplish? Well, whilst Cannes is called the Festival of Creativity, and obviously there's a, a lot of emphasis around the awards and what people are doing with the Pure Advertising Awards, um, it's actually much bigger than that. And what it is is a central place where people can actually meet the top brands from around the world. So it's quite, although it sounds like there's a lot of partying and drinking of rosé, it's also quite efficient in terms of meeting. And it's also a signal to the market. So if you're in Cannes and like Instacart, where I had big signs in the Cosette or uh, Amazon uh, advertising, it says you're serious. And for instance, one event I was at in a row had... Uh, Walmart, Critio, Albertsons, Amazon, Unilever, Procter & Gamble, all speaking in a row. And, and it was quite even difficult to get an, an invitation to this event. But everybody was there giving their sort of their both their pitch, but also their questions and also telling everybody where is where they are. And one point to note, Gregory, I think this is, as I say, a number of years I've been to Cannes. 
this is the first year retail media was really front and center. And I think it's really only going to be become bigger and bigger. It was like the sort of interloper last year. This year, it was the up and coming. Next year, it'll be mainstream. As the Festival of Creativity, I'd be interested in hearing what are your thoughts on what sort of creativity are we seeing deployed in the retail media space? Well, it was, as I said, one of the first times that retail media is really front and center at Cannes. And the sort of juxtaposition of having the fe- it at the Festival of Creativity was quite interesting because it's the first time I've really seen at any events where creativity came um, as, as a statement, as a thing that people were talking about. Let me explain that a little bit more. One of the things I particularly spoke at um, was referring to creativity as the sort of the ability to sort of 10x what you're doing, that we need to in, in not just be talking about retail media as a thing, as a piece of technology, or as a tool, or as a market. Actually, to speak in terms of actually how it can build capabilities, and the biggest capability of the lot it can deliver is creativity, because in all the other areas of marketing and advertising, creativity is seen as a massive differentiator. It came up um, specifically from both brands and retailers because the retailers were saying, we're upping our capabilities in terms of video. We're upping our, vid- our capabilities in terms of display, which enables brands to do a lot more creative sort of uh, ad units and put more creative messages out there. Because just as an aside, going to accuse retail media of being uh, the ad units within retail media as being lacking in creative is a bit disingenuous. Because still well over 50, 60% of most, sponsor, of most retail media is sponsored product, which is kind of like a Google ad, which is essentially is very simple visual plus um, some copywriting. So criticizing sponsored brand, which is sponsored search, which is the majority of retail media is a bit disingenuous. But as we move towards mid, mid funnel, top of funnel, which is where the retail media networks want to get to, creativity will become more important. But why is that? Because as we move towards mid to top of funnel, we're talking about building brands. We're talking about um, creating impact. And the key difference here, as I said at the outset, is creative. So the new ad units that are being brought brought through by the likes of Walmart, which uh, Amazon already have, but also is something that's um, come through, are video units. Because video is where you can have five seconds, 10 seconds, or, or even longer where you can actually get to tell a little bit of a story, you can possibly do much higher level of quality of creative. The way, uh, when I talked uh, at a couple of the events at Cannes, one specific point I always make is this, which is imagine it's 2006 or 2007, and we're talking about Google AdWords. That's where we are in terms of the roadmap on um, on retail media. Now, the second kind of thing that kind of triggered that point to me was this, which is one of the events was that Google were speaking. And they had one scary point, which I didn't realize, but it was a very interesting, scary point, which was that it's 400 days to the death of the cookie. In other words, cookie deprecation. So it's actually now obviously being a few days later, it's uh, it's less than 400 days to, for cookie deprecation. And what does that mean? Well, Google said straight up, we are not in the retail media game. The game we are interested in is leveraging our technology to make retail media work better. So they're not only the person causing the death of the cookie, but they're actually providing some of their own solutions here, which is they do want to do extensions for people to use um, Google search um, within their retail media capabilities. But most importantly of all, back to the creative point, 
what they want to do is integrate YouTube offsite with brand or uh, retailer audiences um, for them to use offsite and create brands at scale using YouTube. It sounds like Google is taking a page from the TikTok playbook. I know that a while back we talked to some brands, I had spoken with some brands, and they were saying, you know, once you've reached saturation with shoppers on Amazon.com, you need to go beyond that to bring new demand into your product pages. And they said that, you know, assets like what TikTok offered was a, was a real advantage, something that they were still figuring out. And I figured it's just a matter of time until Google and YouTube got in the game that way. Is, is that a correct way to read that situation? That is, that is exactly spot on. The way to think about it is for a given retail media network, on-site can deliver only so much inventory. So if we take, say, um, somebody has done a sponsored search on a, a grocery or, or indeed any other form of retailer's website, the number of facing ads that can be delivered is not going to be like, say, Amazon, where they can get away with a very high, what's called ad load. The ad load cannot affect the potential for customer conversion. So therefore, the ad load will always be lower. Therefore, the inventory will be lower. So how do you create a business that's scalable? Well, it's actually by having um, inventory that's offsite. And that inventory offsite has to deliver, um, will have to deliver for brands. And obviously, the brands that many of these retailers are working with are some of the most sophisticated brands in the world, the Unilevers and the, um, and the Procter & Gamble's of this world. So they need to have much more creative ad units available. So that's where the Google move is quite a clever move. It means that YouTube inventory will now be available targeted to individual audiences based on the data of a retail media network, creating new, um, new inventory that simply wasn't available before. You'd mentioned moments ago that uh, creativity was a key focus. I know in the, the prep session that we had, you had mentioned that measurement was another big deal. What's, what's the buzz about that? So one of the things that has been in the background and is now much more front and center in retail media is measurement. What are we actually measuring here? What are the standards for measurement? What are the frameworks for measurement? And interestingly, while we were there, uh, Albertsons introduced a, a white paper um, at Cannes talking about what their suggested framework for retail media measurement is. And I've known that the IAB in both Australia, UK, Europe, and US are working very hard on measurement. Now, why is measurement um, such an issue? Because retail media networks are kind of seen as mini walled gardens, and in many cases, without sort of transparency into measurement or into actual performance, other than a sort of aggregated um, attribution report. Uh, just by the, by, by, by the by, this I'd call for measurement and insight has been around for, for many years. For Google, it's been straightforward because it's within their own kind of remit to provide the the results and likewise Facebook for their various um, networks. However, for retail media networks, it's slightly different because there's, you know, Gregory's retail store, there's Collins retail store, there's, you know, Patrick's retail store and so on. And so we're all doing our own thing. So the accusation has been that each retail media network is measuring its own homework or be not giving any very good data in, in, in the first place. The brands are saying, well, I need to, I only want to, uh, I don't want to work with people who are correcting their own homework, number one. And number two, they're saying, I really only want to be paying for incremental sales, for sales that I would be new to brand. I wonder, are people being a bit naive? Um, because 
as I touched on, in the other realm of effectives, we know from How Brands Grow by Byron Sharp, we know from all the work done, the work done by the Erringer Bass Institute, is that most volume in consumer goods comes from light buyers. And the example I gave in can myself was if I'm buying deodorant, I'm not buying deodorant every day of the week. If I'm buying Dove deodorant, it's probably, let's say, once a month at a stretch, maybe once every two months. And the cookie windows for all of the major retail media networks are maximum 28 and mostly 14. So when you go to the retail media networks as Dove and say, show me the new to brand, show me the attributable sales, you have to really say, well, what's the cookie window? It's also not fair on the retail media network to say, can you have a six month cookie window so I can measure my own individual deodorant skew? That's not really going to work either. Um, so that's why I say the brands are being slightly, mm, not really kind of thinking through things in detail. And then related to that for the brands is they're looking for incremental, but actually, as I point out, incremental to what? Because we all know that if the creative they delivered to the retail media network wasn't very good, well then to a certain extent, the, the blame's on them. If the price and promo and uh, wasn't available, uh, price and promo offer wasn't strong enough, to a certain extent, the blame is on them. If the product wasn't in stock, well then the blame is on both sides as well. There will not be a day where you and I will have a podcast where we'll say this measurement thing is solved because this thing is going to be keep running for a very long period of time. You described the various retail media networks as essentially walled gardens. How far away are we from the point where brands can make investment decisions across various platforms, feeling that they've got enough information to be able to do a, a, an apples-to-apples apples comparison as, as where they should invest to get the optimum return? That's a very tricky question to answer because the choice in the first place of choosing to advertise with a retail media network um, can actually be given to you and handed to you on a plate. So in other words, if they're their major distributor for your products, you're not really going to have that much of a choice. So you're not going to really be negotiating with Walmart that much if Walmart are mass distribution arm for you. Or if it's a specialist arm and you're in the beauty business, you're not really in the negotiation frame of mind because they're delivering a lot of offline volume for you. So that's why I say we're not really going to resolve this particular problem around measurement. But what we want to do is think it through the lens of who's going to really deliver. And at the moment, who's delivering, particularly say in the US, is the scale has been delivered by Amazon, the scale has been delivered by Walmart. In other areas, Target have good scale, they claim to do over a billion. I don't know the numbers for Kroger, I don't know the numbers for Albertsons, but it's not small fry either. So this is really a function of the decision of the brand to say, is this company, this retailer, important to me in terms of distribution? Is it important to me for, for ROR, in other words, return on relationship? Or is it got a vertical thing, as it specializes in one area, that I can really deliver, um, but not just volume, but maybe I can get better data with the, my sort of type, type of target client um, who may be interested in beauty, makeup, or whatever. When we talk about retail media, there's always this temptation to talk about the big brands, Kimberly Clark, Unilever, Procter & Gamble. How is the game different for some of those mid-sized brands that, that don't necessarily have the market clout or the, the weight to, to play the game the same way that some of these top tier brands can? Well, 
It's funny you say that because I am actually really bullish for mid to small brands. And this actual idea came to me, it was you know, sort of revealed to me when I was having a conversation about an unrelated topic um, elsewhere. Um, I was talking, somebody was saying to me, how could small, like as in small, small, like five to $10 million brands break into marketplaces? And um, it dawned on me very quickly. And at the same time, I was talking to Tesco. So this must be about two, three years ago. But they were talking about how um, innovation, um, that's retail media can be used for innovation. And after a while, I started joining the dots and realized that actually for mid-sized brands, retail media is really an excellent opportunity. So let me explain. What do the big brands have? They've got the deep pockets to be able to do TV advertising. They've got the deep pockets to have mass distribution and multiple stores. But if I'm a smaller brand, 10, 20, 50 million brand who doesn't really have that level of clout, maybe doesn't really have that level of distribution, but I can get my product in front of people much easier. Why? Because I can choose to say, I'm only going to deal on, say, walmart.com. I'm only going to go onto albertsons.com or I'm only going to go onto, onto Amazon. And I can choose um, how much actual retail media I want to spend because I can actually go after my competitive product competitors. I can go after the searches. I can decide to have a higher share of voice. And you, you remember what I said about media measures earlier in retail media, share of voice is one of those. I can also go after having quality creative. I can also go after having video, which still has a is not as big as it could be for um for any brand, regardless of whether it's you leave or a small brand. And I can go after and gain share, gain top line shares and build out a whole set of things that were previously not available to me because if, otherwise I would have to negotiate with Walmart directly and hopefully get some distribution in store. Here I have a cool product, a nice product, an innovative product that I can choose how much retail media I'm going to put against them. I can decide to put the foot down on the gas for um, quality creative. I can put the foot on the gas for winning a share of voice as well. And actually, that is quite unique. In fact, it's almost rarely ever been had over the last about 100 or so years of advertising where I could compete at the same level as the big boys. So I'm really bullish on retail media and particularly for newer innovative products because both the contextual capabilities the cross-sell capabilities and the brand capabilities of retail media really play in their favor so colin you'd mentioned the use of clean rooms with uh amazon and walmart luminate do you see this as as a phenomenon that is going to spread beyond just those top 10 those top tier retailers well we've two uh opposing forces if you will or maybe they're not opposing two colliding forces if you will um first of all we've got Cookie deprecation. We've got um, a lot tighter rules than GDPR in the US. We've actually got different rules almost uh, by state coming through as well. So as we think through customer privacy um, on one side and cookie deprecation on the other side, how are brands going to actually know what's working? And particularly say within wall gardens like what retail media networks are, Amazon Marketing Cloud in Illuminate, uh, as I mentioned, are a way to resolve that. And companies like LiveRamp are already in the market installing these clean rooms between brands and between retailers. I know personally of LiveRamp already installed with one major retailer in the UK, one really big global brand, and they did that last year. So this is something that's real, it's happening, and it's only going to grow exponentially. So Colin, we've been pretty much focused on what's going on in the US. Can you tell us what you're seeing beyond the US in Europe, Asia, other points of the world? 
uh, I've seen some incredible innovation in Turkey, Austria, Australia, and New Zealand, and even Latin America. So I was talking to Senkosud when I was in uh, Cannes, and what they're doing across Latin America is really amazing. They're like a great business with 1,300 stores, really smart people doing some very cool retail media stuff. Mimeda in Turkey has, I think, about 16, 17 different propositions in retail media. They even do live events. One of the most impressive things they told me was how they put on a live event with a very famous Turkish pop star and did it for one of the most famous brands in the world and got them to have um, you know, kiosks for all the product, tastings for all the product. And they also got to meet their favorite pop star. And we were sitting in the room and they were explaining this to us, going, wow, that doesn't sound like retail media. I said, well, it is media and it is an event. And you're like, yeah, you're right, actually. So very creative and um, the clients love it. And I've been to Australia, going back to Australia and New Zealand later this year. Um, I would say Australia is probably second in the world in terms of creativity, in terms of uh, capabilities that I've seen in retail media, what Coles 360 are doing and what Cartology are doing is really cutting edge. So we should look outside of the US. Um, there's some pockets of genius everywhere that you see. The one standout retail media place in the world is actually Asia. Now, why would I say this? If you look at, say, China, China, by definition, is its digital advertising is through wall gardens like Alibaba, through Pinduoduo. 75% of all advertising in China is uh, digital advertising, and the majority of it's through marketplaces. And therefore, by definition, the largest retail media in the market world in the world is China. But it's actually how they see advertising done in the first place. And that influence then has permeated the rest of um, Asia. So for instance, Alibaba owned Lazada in uh, Singapore and across Southeast Asia, and they've applied the same business model in terms of selling retail media. So what we've seen there, they don't call it retail media, they just call it digital advertising. And again, super cutting edge. And it's not, I'm just using Lazada as an example, as a ton of others right across both uh, the Gulf, the Middle East and Southeast Asia that are just as creative, just as cutting edge, particularly driven by the power of the fast delivery networks. And that's why I would say you don't have to look purely at the US. You can look elsewhere in the world. Colin, I want to thank you very much. To our listeners, thanks for listening. And if you like what you've heard, please follow Wark on your favorite podcast platform. And if you really like what you heard, please go to wark.com for subscription information. Until next time, thanks for listening. 